Welcome to the Kevin and Philip Project, a podcast with two guys who love to eat, travel, talk sports, and have no idea how to raise teenage girls. Coming to you live from Salina, Kansas. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Philip. Hey, here we are for another episode of the Kevin and Philip Project. Uh, I think we're really excited about this one. We're on location at the garage, and uh, we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. But before we do, uh, the first thing I want to do is, is thank our sponsor for this podcast, the Kelly Kitchener Insurance Agency. Phil, you want to talk about that them a little bit? I mean, I know we're both good friends with Kelly. and Hey, like Kelly told last week, he was on with us, and he said he, he opens up his uh, office to the public. You know, he's got a nice new office down on Ohio Street that uh, – um, he had left for you to just come by and see him. Uh, Kelly Kitchener at where, where's what do you know his address? That's on right South next? Ohio. Yeah, yep. Ohio. Really, you won't miss it. It's real big letters. Yep. Kelly Kitchener. Yep. Really so, good. Yeah, if anybody's out there looking for uh, or you're in the market for some insurance, you know whether it's auto, home, life, renters, business, boat, RV, motorcycle, he does it all. So uh, give him a shout if uh, you're looking for something like that. Seven eight five eight two five six two two seven is the number. So. Yeah, I have that written down. I didn't have that memorized, Phil. Don't Good give job. me too much credit. So, well, hey, it's been a couple of weeks since the last one since we had Kelly on here. Uh, you've had a pretty active couple of weeks. What have you been up yeah, to? Yeah, well, I just took the red red eye in from New York City last night. Spent the last week with five teenage girls in New York. So, uh, taking them out to dinner every night was like filling up my car with gas. It's a very expensive uh, <laughs> dinner trip for them. We stayed down in Chinatown, and if you, anybody wants to know. You know, there's been a fear of not traveling to places like New York because of the uh, pandemic and the coronavirus and everything. I can tell you those people are as sick of it as we are. We uh, we did not face very much criticism for not wearing – none, none whatsoever. Outside of the theater district, um, it, we rode the subways, felt completely safe. There was police officers in every corner. They were cleaning up the homeless. It's it's actually back to what it was maybe five years ago. Uh, you know, we lost track with them for the last few years with the mayor that they had, but it's getting a lot better, and uh, I would encourage going there now again. Is uh, everything the same flight-wise, airport-wise? Uh, you know, the airport, changed? you know, it's it, going out there. I had a real nice – we flew out of Salina, a real nice group that uh, didn't razz as much. Well, the group, the flight attendants out of New York last night uh, – patrolled the aisles all night long and jumping on people for not wearing their masks and i just i you know as i say in one more month the cdc i hopefully yep. drops that guideline and gets us back to normal i see where british airways have now started dropping it already which is a good deal maybe that's a lead yep. into the rest of america can soon follow because if you're going to get back to being healthy there's got to be steps taken that hey let's prove that we are you know and uh I think that would be a, a big one because it's a weird thing to sit in a restaurant all week with people, sit right next to people, but then I can't get in a plane with right. them. It's just, it yeah. almost drives well. you. And the irritating part of them just griping and griping yeah. and griping. They say that complaints and fights are up more than 100% on airlines, and it's due to, I think, sometimes the stewardesses and the steward men, you know, they... They almost antagonize it. <laughs> there you go. There's our Phil word for the for the podcast. Steward men. The steward I don't men. think I've heard that one before. So, yeah, I'm hoping by the time I go to Vegas here at the end of April that uh, I think the change. mandate was supposed to have ended March 15th. They extended it for one more month. I hope by that point that we're numbers are low enough that we can 
start doing away a lot of this. I'll tell you, I got on this on and off the subway, and they're the same. They're supposed to wear your mask and everything on the subway system. But we got on with police officers, none wearing masks. <laughs> with police, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel yeah. like that they... Yeah. they it's pretty hard to enforce it when yeah. they're not doing it themselves. Yeah. yeah. So. so it made for a fairly nice trip. And we, we talk a lot of travel, and we can probably talk more about it in a couple of weeks. But for tonight... We're at a place, Kevin said the garage, which makes it sound like that we're just sitting out in Kevin's garage or out in my garage doing this. But we're <laughs> actually at what I would think is probably, definitely, the premier museum of Salina as, to, for, as of today is what I would consider it being. Uh, and we've got a couple of guys with us today. Yep. If you'd like, hey, introduce yourselves. Um, yeah, Matt, you want to go first? Take you- yeah, definitely. Um, was it? I'll do the whole name. It's uh, Matthew Tyler Delano Miller Wells. I'm the director of education here at the garage. I'm in charge of giving all these automobiles here context, doing all the content, writing, and everything. Calvin. Uh, yeah, my name is Calvin Cassidy. I'm the director of vehicle operations here at the garage, and uh, my job is kind of as the title implies. I'm in charge of the cars here, so making sure uh, they all stay here where they're supposed to be, and uh, keeping track of them, and then making sure we have everything we want to do when we rotate the cars. And we've got somebody looking over our shoulder, making sure we're doing everything right. Mr. Pestinger back in the background. <laughs> I just sweep the floor. <laughs> he just sweeps the floor. So, well, and, and I'll kick this off. I'm really excited about this podcast. Uh, I, I think this, uh, Phil and I had a chance to come through here a couple weeks ago before we recorded this podcast. And and uh, we've both talked to Tom quite a bit about this as, as the process has, has come along. So I was really excited that everything's opened up finally and, and uh, been able to go through it. But... Uh, you know, I guess to start with, and, and Matt's probably a question for you, I think, from, from what we were talking before, but uh, kind of walk us through what we have here as far as the garage is, kind of how the process has has, has gone and, and how we've gotten to this point where we are today. Yeah, so this started as a um, was it, as part of the Salina 2020 revitalization effort. You know, Salina downtown and just the city as a whole was missing a, a cornerstone attraction. You know, they were wanting folks to get off the highways and come visit the city as well as, you know, have young families start moving back here. Um, so I was here. So Tom passing you and a friend were driving around one day and he jokingly says, Hey, well, you know, why not a car museum? You know, had a good laugh about it and moved on. Then two weeks later, another buddy of his called his bluff and said, so I heard you want to start up a car museum. And from there it's, you know, it's taken off. Um, one thing we wanted to avoid when we were making this was just having a, uh, sort of a static, place you know a few cars some content but in and out in an hour i mean calvin and i both are mcpherson college graduates from the auto restoration program and we've both been through museums that just it doesn't matter how cool stuff is you're out in 30 minutes you know half asleep just because there's nothing there for you so we you know we're looking into okay how do we keep people coming back how do we keep this a sort of unique experience you know for everyone um one thing that i think has helped us is None of the four full-time staff here have any official museum experience. I mean, I did an internship at a museum in Florida, and I think that's about the extent of um, of our museum expertise. And some people look at that as a negative, um, but frankly, I think it's helped us out. You know, we haven't been held back by what you would consider like right. a proper This is what museum. everybody's done before, so this is what we're going to do here. Exactly. So working into that, um, we focused a lot on... Um, constantly moving exhibits and interactives. Uh, a big part of my job is effectively determining, okay, if I have my three nephews come in here, what can I have in here that stops them from crawling all over this stuff? 
So, you know, it's it's played into I, and then there's also the educational element. Right. You know, we want to have interactives in here that help inspire and instigate thought, you know. Um, so in the same room, I mean, I've got Hot Wheels tables. I mean, just in the room right behind us, you know, kids can come over and switch the track on and go crazy. But then in the same place, I also have driving and racing simulators. You know, obviously there's a fun element in that. Right. But there's also an educational element. You know, with Royal Driving School, the local driving yeah. program out here, uh, now permanently operating on the premises, um, you know, we can teach them how to drive stick on these now. You know, Brian Noah can't, you know, he can't get a hold of a stick shift car, but we can still offer that experience here. You know, we have a seatbelt convincer here to teach kids what it's like to get into a five mile an hour collision you know like they're in their mom's car pull into a parking spot too fast that kind of thing <laughs> that's never happened before <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so on the interactive side too i know uh we we walked through we didn't do it but i know you want to talk about the the paint spray booth oh and, yeah uh, and the welding and all that kind of stuff over there too those are my personal favorites that's usually where i'm stationed yeah that's at, where you were when we were here <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so we have um two virtual reality simulators um, one of them is a sim spray paint sim. So you put on like a VR headset, you have a paint gun in your hand and I just choose whatever I want to see for the day. So it might be a car hood, car fender, car door. I'll choose a color that I like, or let folks choose a color and they have to practice a two stage paint job. So they put their color on first, they put their clear coat on second and it judges based on, you know, good coverage and good technique. Oh, you get judged. Yeah, that, and, you've, and I've noticed that you had all ages in there doing it, and yeah. anything from little kids to their dads were doing it exactly. At the same time, yeah, it's it's a lot of um, you know the younger ones want to do what mom and dad do, or just yep. if nothing else, they want to practice. You know, I've, I, you know their kids like, oh, I want to paint my bike. I said, well, I've got a heck of a tool for you, so you don't waste the money. On your driving simulator back here, does the rural driving cat do they come back in and practice with it? Yeah, was right. It was we're still working on the programming for the actual um, the educational element. Right now, it's just sort of like the the fun of it. You know, Royal Driving School comes in at eight. Their courses don't start till ten, so they spend two hours in here just for lack of better terms, goofing off and having fun, but maybe still learning something. You know, I'll, I'll stick a fourteen year old on the welding sim and be like, hey, you know, you want to learn how to weld and make stuff for an art fair. You know, basically have a money printer. Here you yep. go. And, you know, they'll do one run. I go, okay, now fix this here. Bring the gun a little bit closer here. They do the same exact thing. All of, a, all of a sudden, their score goes up. They're like, oh, I might actually be kind of okay at this. And all of a sudden, they start thinking, you know, stopping by Harbor Freight on the way home, picking up a $100 welder. You know, so those kids are coming in and getting to experience the museum basically free of charge other than their driving school rates right yeah so ex exactly yeah and i mean and in between you know they'll have breaks in between their classes and they're coming to check with me like hey can i try that again and they're you know they're going crazy even though i've got teenage kids i didn't realize that many took the class at the same time because i came in here was me yeah. and you kevin was yeah. in here on saturday morning and it looked like there was 30 kids in there yeah. probably so that was, was surprised at the numbers that's good just to have the numbers of kids down here yeah absolutely so and the driving simulator you still have the record on that uh, yeah, I do still hold the record yeah. on that one, and, and the deal still stands that if anybody comes in and beats my time, I will definitely pay for their membership for a year. And that's Calvin. Yes. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, we didn't try. We didn't want to embarrass nope. him while, while we were here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the, the cars, and obviously that's a big part of this this place, too. And, and uh, I will, we, we had a, some conversation here before we started this podcast, um, and again, with Phil and I walked through here a couple weeks ago, and... and uh, kind of checked it out and we'll get into some of the things I was really impressed with and surprised by but uh what's the uh, the concept that you guys have going on right now so this first show is called um horses to horsepower 
Um, we're starting with you know the earliest cars. Um, it was I got a couple carriages in here from like the 1880s, and then we move, you know, following sort of the story of like the assembly line and the stuff that people could get a hold of. And it ends with, um, I think the latest car we have in there right now is 41. But in 42, that's when all of the U.S. auto production stopped for World War II, for the war effort. But effectively, we tell the story of, you know, here's what folks had. You know, here's like a replica of the first car ever made. And then goes into like, okay, here's like weirdo, just carriages with a steam engine thrown on it. And it's like, oh, here they figured out the assembly line. Here is, you know, different paint tech, different engine tech. And you're able to kind of witness the evolution in real time when 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 somebody's walking through the museum here do you have folks out there that are helping them if they have questions or people that are knowledgeable yeah absolutely um i you know we pride ourselves on a volunteer network there's a lot of locals out here you know former teachers or just retirees that like talking to people um that you know that that's all they want to do is just help be a part of people's experience and also guide them through some of the interactives. You know, I have a car in here that folks can climb all over if they want to. And, you know, that's that's kind of scary. You know, you got a car museum that's that's abnormal. So having someone there that's like, oh, you know, you can get on this one and while you're here, let me tell you about it. Um, and I also like to, you know, if I'm not over by The Sims all day, I like to kind of peruse and walk stuff. And if the opportunity presents itself, open up a door, open up a hood, because stuff like that is what sticks with people when you get that extra little bit. Yep. Hey, Calvin, we, we noticed that as being, you said, director of operations, okay, me and Kevin came in the first day and we walked over into the, is it called the Pessinger Hall, the the car, the area in the back that had some local, local cars. Uh, we were shocked by the number of cars that came here locally, but those that come from other places, can you tell us kind of the, how did we get these things? Because if you've not been down here yet and the first time you walk through here, you're going to be absolutely shocked. Believe me, that you will be uh, in awe. I've already been twice, and uh, those that say, "How come? Why, how, why would I only come once?" Um, those that say that I, you know, what what would make me come more than once a year? I've already came twice and saw multiple things I didn't see the first time I came through. But the second time I came through, we did have one of these nice guys that were here as a volunteer. And he talked more about, to me and Kevin, he talked more about some of the things. So it brought out, like, little details on the ghost in the back and that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, just tell us kind of how did you get some of the cars that just I'm, – I'm still in awe of some of the cars that are here. How did we get those here? Yeah, so, I mean, specifically kind of the ones that, uh, that you're kind of referencing is uh, – We've got a Duesenberg on display right now that that is out of St. Louis, um, and 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 it is a one of one car. You just don't get to see those. Um, in terms of getting that here, we've got great connections. Matt and I, having both graduated from McPherson College, they've been a fantastic resource for us to to ask. Hey, you know, we're looking for something really specific, really odd that people don't get to see. Does any name jump out at you? And they go, Well, yeah, we know a guy that has this Duesenberg. Let me give him a call and and see if he'd want to loan it to us. And sure enough, 30 minutes later, I get a call from the owner, and he's wanting to know more about the museum and uh, and kind of what we had in mind for it. And, and we get to talking, and, and, you know, 30 minutes into the phone call, he's like, you know, I'd, I'd love to loan it to you guys. How long do you need it for? And it turned into, you know, oh, well, the first show is probably going to be three months, maybe four months. He's like, no, that's totally fine. When do you need it? And he was totally willing to just bring it to us, um, didn't ask us to, to pay for transport or anything, just showed up with the car, and he's like, here you go. Um, do with it what you're going to do, and, and – uh, let us know when we can come and see it again. 
So, so did it, did, was that car in another museum somewhere prior to this, or is he just car, stored at home? That car stored at home. He's got a collection of cars uh, at his house, and it, it was just at home, and he needed more room. So he's like, yeah, here, take this one. And so what I hear from what Thomas said, and you guys know more about it than we do, that there are people basically in waiting, wanting to get their cars in yeah, here. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we've had a lot of people come forward saying, hey, you know, I've got this car and I'd love to show it. And it's it's a matter of talking to them and going, well, we do have a lot of shows coming up. We've got shows planned out for the next two years. And, hey, I think your car would be a great fit for this show. Let's keep in touch and talk more in the future yeah. and, and kind of see where that progresses. So. The, okay, the car in the back, the uh, Joan Collins Lincoln Oh, uh, the limousine, V16 yes, or the, the one in the lobby, the one all the way in the back. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the, jo- the Joan Crawford V16. Joan Crawford, Cadillac, okay, yeah. Joan yes. Crawford. Yeah, t- tell us a little bit about that car and and how you were able to get your fingers on it. Yeah, so we have a V16 Cadillac on display right now that was actually owned by Joan Crawford. Uh, it was a gift to it her. It is first, sharp. Yeah, yeah, gift from her first <laughs> husband. Um, it, it's Tom's favorite car, and he's not shy about telling people that. Every time somebody asks, he immediately just points at the, at the Cadillac, and I don't blame him one bit. Um, but again, that's, that's a car that not many people have access to, um, and we have a great connection um, with a local guy that uh, grew up in Salina that works for one of the large auction companies, um, and, and he happened to, uh, to have a contact with the owner. Uh, it's one of his, his bigger customers. Um, and he was willing to reach out and uh, and make that connection for us, and uh, we got to talking, and um, turns out that, that it worked out with their schedule that they could bring it up to us and, and loan it to us for four months. Yeah, the the, uh, the generosity from people, especially for this first show, has been overwhelming. I mean, we had people uh, signing paperwork and ready to drop the car off, and I mean, for God's sake, we barely had a roof on the place. You know, when we were first starting out, moving some of the stuff in here back in November, you know, and then we just kept on you know, pushing back opening date every two or three weeks because we didn't want to have a bad opening weekend. You know, that'll work for Disneyland, but it wouldn't work for here. No, we wanted everything to be as close to 100% as we could get it before we opened to the public. Yeah. And the local guys that have cars. Is, and when you walk around in the museum, you'll see the owner's names underneath the, the bottom of the car. But those people just stepped right up early, I guess, and said, I want to put this one on display. And yeah. And you figured out a way to get it in here. Oh, yeah. And Calvin could touch it more on this, too. He He's had more um, contact with the vehicle owners. But um, our experience has been folks have been um, was honored, I suppose you could say, you know, honored to be asked to present their vehicle. And especially the ones that have, um, you know, real close family history, real close local history. Right. You know, it's it's a chance of a lifetime for a lot of people. I think one of the things that will shock people when they first come here is how some of the nice um, one in a lifetime cars that you'll see that are locally owned. So, just another thing that you can come in here and say, "Hey, oh, good lord, somebody local here owns that." It didn't come from Los Angeles or New York or wherever. Mm-hmm. It's really neat stuff up close. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I was really surprised by when we walked through here. And we've talked about this a couple times already. Was the fact that um, you know all these ca- cars? Your point, they're from the '40s and earlier, so obviously very old cars. Um, I know some people that do have some type of a car collection here, but I was really surprised by the number of, of cars that are local. I mean, we, we were walking through there, what, every, all of them but two, I think, were, were, or three, were, were local. So that was really surprising that all those cars are in Salina and in this area. And what's better is most of them ran too. I mean, what Calvin? How many? Like we had, we had to tow in what four? Five? I, I think out of all the cars, um, 
I think only three or four of them weren't running under their own power, and that's including one that runs off of steam, that it was just a matter of it runs and drives just fine, but the, the startup process on that is foreign to us. So we uh, Peck we chose Slay, you was able to just pull it in on a horse. Yeah, we pulled, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right behind the horse on yeah. that one. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> hey, t- Matt, t- walk us through. And I, when we walked in, the time we came first, we came on early on a Saturday morning. But mm-hmm. um, the uh, as you walk in the door, you've got what is this on the right from Fifth Street that you, that we can self serve ourselves? Oh yeah, the uh, was it the, the self serve beer wall? That's been a particular favorite for many people. But uh, yeah, we use a um, system called Pour My Beer, and we have um, six beers and two wines. All folks have to do is uh, go get their ID checked at the front desk, make sure that you're you know of age and not with ABC Liquor trying to grade us, <laughs> and um, you know you get a. Get a little prepaid card. You know, you can put twenty bucks on it, and what is it, Calvin? Sixteen ounces for four bucks. Yeah, yeah. Most of the beer is about four bucks for sixteen ounces, but Thursdays from four to eight, it's all half price. So every Thursday or every, just this every Thursday? Thursday? Every Thursday. Yeah. Every all right. Thursday. And folks, and, and you're not relegated to the lobby either. You are free to walk around with beer in hand or soft drinks. I mean, we have all kinds of concessions and stuff through Mahaska, but um, you're free to peruse a museum with that in hand, which is. A very foreign concept to a lot of folks. That's enough to scare a lot of people. But I have, we haven't had a single negative experience. I mean, I, we, maybe two drops of wine spilled on the floor in the last month. Yeah, Otherwise, it's been fine. I've not been to a museum where I could walk around drinking beer. I'd stay that's in correct. there longer if yep. I could. And it's uh, <laughs> so for those of you that don't know where this is at, this is right next to the yard. So I'm gonna have to load up a card. So on Thursdays through Sundays, when my daughters. Over at the yard, uh, getting a, a hitting lesson or screwing around over there, I'll just have to come over and have myself a, a cold beverage while I'm here. But uh, yeah, we're getting to enjoy some of these fine beverages here. I'm drinking Buffalo Sweat uh, from Tall Grass Brewery. I know there's what Bud, Bud Light, Ultra. I'm sure it's going to change here and there. You'll you'll have the Bud Lights and the Ultras probably all the time, but yeah. kind of change them out as as you go. A couple along. of seasonals as well. I think we're planning on Calvin. I was on the website before I. Uh came over here and it said something about here's a application you can fill out if you wanted to get your muscle car into the next show which would be starting what you just tell me about it. i just read a little bit on the on online about it but uh, tell us where we're going with this muscle car show yeah so kind of like what matt talked about earlier the the goal of this was to make sure that it's not a static um, display Every four months, the cars are changing out in the north wing. So you're looking at 30 to 35 new cars every four months. Um, So our next show is Muscle Car Wars. We are looking for um, basically 64 to 74 is kind of the range of years that we're looking for. Um, We're not looking for any specific um, one manufacturer or make and model. Um, we're, We're open to seeing what's out there. So on our website right now, there is an application that you can fill out and uh, tell us a little bit about what you have. Um, and then uh, we'll get in contact with you and, and kind of go from there on it. Do you get pretty picky? We're being really picky with this show, especially. Because I would think you would get, if you already had quite a few applications. Uh, we, we've had a lot of applications um, and a lot of really, really good cars. Um, but it, it's coming kind of to the point now where we are getting really picky. Uh, a prime example of that is we're looking for a 1964 GTO. And we're being really picky about it being a 64. That's the first year and kind of widely regarded as the first muscle car. And already well taken care of, not yes. just one that's... We're, we're looking yeah. for <laughs> really, really good quality cars. Um, but on that same note, I mean, we've had a lot of people come in and, and look at some of the cars that are in here for the first show. Uh, and some of them, you know, they may not be 
kind of what everyone would perceive as museum quality. There's some of them in here that, that do have dings and scratches. But the reason they're in here, and, and I went and talked to the owners on them, and the owners themselves were like, well, why do you want that in there? I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about the car. Well, I drove it to high school, and you know, I restored the whole thing, and, and me and my dad restored it. And I said, okay, so tell me how that scratch got there. Oh, well, my dad was pulling it out of the garage one day and just kind of clipped the side of it. I said, that's why I want it in there, because you can tell me exactly how that scratch got there. So that scratch is just as important to me, and the story behind it is just as important as a fancy paint job to me. Yeah. <laughs> Salina serves as like you know the crossroads of the United States, what with I-70 and 135 meet right around here and we like to focus on the crossroads between cars and communication you know just how we interact with vehicles you know there's a lot of folks that you know they spend more on their car in a year than they do in their life in a lifetime so focusing on that and like where where automobiles fit into the greater story of autonomy and humanity and what they mean to people i think means a lot more than a flashy paint job or a supercharger sticking out the hood or whatever it may be have you guys got a favorite car in there, in here? Uh, in, the, in the first show, <laughs> hands down for me, it's the Duesenberg. Uh, I mean, it, it, it is just a one-of-one one car that you... That's the one that's see. spinning in the back that's on display. That's the one on the turntable, yep. That's, yep. Uh, at this point, that's the most valuable car in the building. Um, so it was a little bit... And tell them what it's worth. If it went to auction, given the story behind it, we're fairly confident it would probably go for one and a half to two million dollars. Huh. That, that's on the low end for a Duesenberg. That's yeah. that, that's that's some pretty entry. Is there level. just not many of them out there? Is it's um, I mean, not too many have survived, but there's also the um, I mean, the build quality that went into um, uh, I mean, there really are some of the most beautiful and some of the most powerful cars to come out of that era. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon for big Duesenberg meets. They'll take them to old airstrips and drag race them and hit. I mean, about a hundred miles an hour or more in them. Huh. It's just. I want to say it was not even 600 Model Js were built total from like 29 to what when the company folded in 36. Yep. Well, tell me about the uh, Roger Morrison car in the back that has traveled the world. Oh, well, he has two that are back there that have traveled the world. He mm-hmm. has his uh, 24 Rolls Royce Silver Ghost. Uh, I think that one's done about 30, 35,000 miles. miles. Yeah. The globe, yeah. And then his um, his 29. Bentley four and a half liter. That one's done about twenty five thousand miles. Um, the Rolls Royce I saw was shipped to places like Ireland, maybe, and yeah, it's been to, tour the mean, country. Uh, yeah, the pictures behind it on the wall. Yeah, that's what kind of tells of the story, and that yeah. makes it makes it neat. And, yeah, uh, the the neat thing for it is I told you guys earlier the uh, spectacles in it, or what are the, like the little binoculars inside it, and the shot glasses, and maybe I, I can't tell exactly what else is in there, but maybe there's a Place to light a cigar or yeah, hold a cigar. Them, yeah. I think one of them a secret has a compartment or, or something insane. It's it's all part of an experience um, buying one of those. Yeah, they really outfitted those things for. So whenever have you talked to Roger and Sissy about that car much? Like, do you know kind of any history of it? How know, they got it in such great detail, or yeah, did they so have to? Was it if I remember his write up correctly? Because I was I do all the display magnets right. and stuff for the museum. Um, was it, it was bodied, basically in its configuration when it was new. Someone converted it to a hearse in the 30s. And then it basically, I think, traded hands around and then was rebodied into its original condition right around the 80s. And I think that's, I think he acquired it not long after. He's had it for quite a while. Yeah. The snake horn is what shows me that it's yes. probably not original, not fully original. Well, so it, I, it think was a, my, it, I think as walking around in here. That might be my favorite car in here, and maybe just because it's traveled a lot. Me and Kevin like to talk about travel, but I, it, a funny story: we we um, 
we talked about shipping those cars. Me and Kevin even talked about it. And then within that week, I saw, and you guys may have seen this, where a ship sunk with classic cars on it, crossing over to Europe just in the last week or two. Oh, is that the one that's been on fire that has, like, Porsches and yeah, Audis? And it's and sunk and to oh, the bottom. All, yeah, yeah, it's all the brand-new cars. Oh, is it brand-new yeah. cars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was funny, I was thinking it was classic cars, and I no. thought, what a mint no, that no. just went to the bottom of the ocean. No, what was funny for a while was um, they abandoned the ship, and they actually were talking like it's – According to international like maritime law, like it was, it was all every man for themselves. If they wanted to go and try to get on this burning ship to get a Porsche, it, it was fair game. <laughs> so all of a sudden, folks were talking like, "Okay, I'm gonna yeah, let's go ahead and load up the boys in a frigate and let's get over there. <laughs> we can pull a Porsche. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, you could get uh, behind the drivers uh, behind the steering wheel there, but I don't think you're gonna have luck getting it uh, on land somewhere. So yeah, th- there's a whole paperwork bit. Yeah, so. <laughs> Well, you didn't answer. Uh, what's your favorite car out oh, there? Oh, it's I'm I'm tied. My answers are going to be weird. So in the lobby, we have a, a motorcycle, a 27 Scott Flying Squirrel, but it's an outfit model. It's uh, sidecar equipped, so it's like probably this the only one this part of the world. Um, I I'm a sucker for motorcycles, and that's uh, kind of the coup de gras in terms of pre-war collection. But um, I'm going to plug the Southwing here a little bit because unfortunately, I've gotten a, a real soft heart. For the customs and the south wing is the is lead a, sled hall of fame kkoa yeah, cars yeah. that come Job here tops, every paint year jobs yeah um, I mean, that's that's something that people here locally get to see and get excited about every mm-hmm. year if they knew it's down here and what's one of the things about doing this podcast we'd like some people to hear this that we've got some cars down here that probably you may have seen before possibly yeah uh, a, a lot of these guys are you know the folks that come out here pretty regularly um or there's been some that haven't really seen the light of day in a while. Um, my favorite car in the whole museum is in this wing. It's a uh, 67 Cadillac hearse, old Miller Meteor hearse, but it's yeah. been um, it was chopped by Bears Customs. Uh, it goes by the name Cargoyle is yeah. her name. Um, it was it did like movie and TV for ages, and then its last job was with Motley Crue uh, for their 2015 really? farewell tour. Do you but remember what TV show it might have been on? Um, I forget. I think the original movie it was on Adam's for... Family or anything? No, it? no, no. <laughs> um, I think the original TV show or movie it was meant for was Terror on Wheels, but it's been in all kinds of other just funky like 30-second cameo films that I can't remember, but um, it has not seen the light of day in a minute there's a collection in manhattan kansas that has owned the car and they haven't i don't think displayed it lately but you know i'm on all kinds of uh funeral coach and hearse fan groups because I, I drive a hearse daily and oh, they're always did. yeah they're um as a job or as a oh no no as a <laughs> no no mine is my bodies in the back as a public or? menace yeah <laughs> naturally naturally but uh, I'm always in funeral. So uh, is it out here in the driveway now? No, no, no. Agatha's down for a fuel pump okay. right now. Otherwise, she okay. would be. But uh, no, everyone's posting about the hurt, you know, about cargo. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You know, I wonder where it's at now that Barris has passed. And I'm always like, oh, it's out here in Salina. Come now. <laughs> I'll be damned. Uh, I, I think I was trying to remember. We didn't spend as much time in on that side as as we did on on the older cars, but. Uh, I was trying to remember it because I remember one of them that I liked. There was a you, you liked Motley Crue yeah, car. That's the one, the, that's the, hers, that's yeah. the one you're talking about. Yeah, okay, yeah. that was one I liked as well. And so. the, the one that the uh, front seat swivels oh, uh, to yeah. get out, that's oh, the, perfect for a fat guy. I'd love to have a swivel seat in my car. Yeah, that's the uh, the Cadillac Seville there in the corner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Jeff Mer- Myers' yes. Seville. Yeah, that's a good one. No, there's – um, th- the thing is everyone asks me, like, what these customs are worth, right? And that's a really tough – 
number to give because it's it's not about that. I think the thing that's turned me on to customs has been just the raw emotion and passion and commitment that these people have for for the art yeah. of it. You know, and they, and I mean the Kemps, they or Kemps, excuse me, they um they stick to old school traditional values. I mean, nothing made after 1969, significant body modification, and they do it old school. I mean, exactly as guys like Daryl Starbird and uh, Jerry Titus and all them did back in the day. Hey, there's a there's a thing that I think a lot of people don't know, and I've lived in Salina for for 16 years, and uh, and I probably didn't really get the full depth of how cool and how um, how limited of a space maybe there is for McPherson College and what you guys' degree comes as, and that people from all over the country come to McPherson College because of it. Tell us a little bit about it, about just oh. the program that you guys went through. Oh, yeah. So McPherson College, they're the only school in the country to offer a uh, four-year Bachelor of Science in Vintage Automobile Restoration, uh, specifically uh, anything made before 1970. They usually train us on pre-war stuff. Uh, they do a really good job of, you know, they put you in a shop and they're like, okay, you have to work in this car that there's no information on, no specifications, but by God, it's got to run in a month because Pebble Beach is coming up. What are you going to do? Huh. Um, and I mean, they also do a great job did on the, you specif- go into something specific. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. So, uh, they, and I'm, I'm asking of, that to Calvin. Yeah. Did he go into something specific? So there's, what is there? Five or five different tracks. I think it's five. Through? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's five different tracks that you can really follow, um, within the program. And I went down the design track. So not only was I taking classes in automotive restoration, but I was also working with graphic design and, and actual studio art kind of stuff to work towards that. So when it came to the, the museum and trying to design the displays, that I absolutely loved every bit of that. Yep. And and it was So it this a, this being open turned into a, a great deal for you no, I personally. I yeah. could not have timed it any better from graduating yep. in May and starting here in June. I could That's not have great. timed it any better. And then the other focus is was that there's tech, there's design, communications. There's history as the, well. And, and I was a history focus. Um was I still to take like most of the tech courses. Uh, but my difference was instead of working on a car my senior year for a project, I had to write my own thesis. And funny enough, it was actually on um, automotive video games, like history of and more importantly, how using um, interactivity in museums is the only way to get young people to still care about old cars. So when you guys were in school down there, were you with a majority of out of Kansas kids or are they a majority of Kansas kids? Kansas Do you think kids are the minority in the, in the minority. Program. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so when they come and get that degree, they're able to go back to wherever they came from. And yeah, uh, several of my friends, I mean, I've got a friend from Maine that went through the program, but there's a guy there right now that's from Australia. going. Really? Through the program. I mean, there was even a, was a, a guy by, uh, from China actually, yes. like he had his own business working on nineties. I think, uh, Mercedes. W yeah. W one, two, three chassis Mercedes. And I mean, he took what he learned, came here because he wanted the experience. Yeah. Um, but I mean, was still able to go back and keep with his business. That's a neat deal, and it's, it's something that I didn't really know about. My friend runs um, or buys cars and stuff. Works for uh, Midway Motors in McPherson, and mm-hmm. he said that a lot of times, guys from out there at your degree field goes out and works a little bit for Midway, and he's the one that first told me about it. Um, and uh, and then to hear. Tom tell us about you guys coming to here. I thought, man, this is great for you guys. But if this hadn't opened, what would you have been saying? Here's my goal of going to. So would you? I think. Would you been of moving the guys, off? The, a lot of the guys that that uh, graduate from the program 
everybody's goal is is you know they always want to open their own shop that's mm-hmm. kind of the end end all be all for for a lot of the guys and start a television show and always yeah you start your television <laughs> show and just ride the coattails yes yep, that's right yep but uh no i mean for for me um senior year i hadn't even really considered uh, the museum aspect of things hadn't even given it a thought um and got uh, got a really great opportunity to work for richard morrison here in salina um, kind of helping him take care of his collection and found out more about the museum and and really really became interested in in that avenue um but if it hadn't been for that i, I think i probably would be at a shop um probably working on on uh, 60s and 70s muscle cars because yep. that is kind of my Kind of my passion. So, are there shops local? I mean, Wichita, Kansas City, that yeah, you I mean, could get on for those kind yeah. of places. And a lot of times, I mean, there's stuff tucked away everywhere. Like, was that I? Um, my senior year, I had to finish up in my living room. I the spicy sniffles hit, and I was kind of relinquished to you know finishing up at home. Yeah. Uh, but I, that was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I mean, I wanted to go the museum route, but then when COVID hit, it kind of sort of threw everything sideways. Um, but I ended up finding work at a, um, at a little Dotson shop. I did like 240Z restoration for a year and I didn't like, I didn't really care much for shop work. I, I could do it. You know, I was always wanting to do the museum route, but the nice thing about the skill set is that even if it's like not your favorite thing to do in the world, you know, they teach you how to do the right thing, which unfortunately for a lot of shops, it's, it's difficult to come across people that can do that well. What does the museum route normally mean you have to move off to a big city? Or a big somewhere? Not necessarily, because, I mean, there's also the private collection route. You know, yeah. museum stuff is just, you got to be able to adapt, be jack-of-all-trades, but maybe not necessarily have to work on cars. So the private collection people will hire a full-time guy just to take care of their... Yeah, just to, you know, make sure their stuff is exercised, make sure that it, you know, you, maybe organize logistics. You know, if it's going to go to a car show or like, hey, this thing hasn't been running quite right in a while, can you get on it? You know, yeah. and so you end up, like, doing weird stuff you know one day you might be checking out a you know like bugatti type 35 race car and then the next day it's like hey i've got this muscle car that i need the carb rebuilt on you know can you get this done soon it's like yeah okay so it's you know there's some stuff that goes hand in hand in terms of just adaptability so when you guys get close to graduating from that program or other people not just you two but Mm -hmm. other people get close to is there people coming in there that, I mean, There's is there offers coming through where there's a demand for yeah, your kind I mean, of um, uh, degree? There's a lot of, I mean, a lot of kids usually have a career figured out within six months or less before they even graduate. I think the only people that don't have jobs coming out of that college are the people that don't want them. Yeah. I mean, and like the school Sounds does like a, a lot of people we know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the school does a fantastic job of, um, you know, they have like yearly career fairs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously internships are insane the amount of just opportunities in the summer and then during the winter months too sometimes folks will you know they'll skip interterm take an extra month to just stick around and do something else and that's usually like what i'll tell people that are in the program is like do everything even if you don't think you're gonna like it you know because i did like okay you know pebble like pebble beach sort of concord level restoration stuff then I went to go work for a museum. Then I worked for a little, you know, rink-a-dink VW shop in North Carolina, you know, because it only helps you figure out what you want. Because I went in wanting my own shop, and then I realized that that was probably the worst idea for me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important, and they offer the tools necessary to try out everything, to be successful, you know, and find your niche spot. I think the internships are definitely a huge part of that. I mean, my, my internship experience, freshman year internship, was at a, an interior shop, somewhere I never saw myself being. Uh, but spent a summer there, and it, it's still a huge passion of mine. I don't get to do it a whole lot, but I do still enjoy it. Sophomore year was at a body shop. Uh, I'm not a fan of body work. It's not my thing, but I at least have an idea of how to do it now. 
Uh, and then in between junior and senior year was actually out in West Virginia um, at, at one of the premier shops in the country for Concord level restorations. Did you graduate from Manhattan High School? Uh, I did not. So Manhattan is home now. It's not always been home. So it was South well, what, City. What made you think whenever you came out of college, I want to go to McPherson, Kansas? What got you thinking that way? So McPherson has a car show every year. Um, first week of May every year is their car show. And uh, my dad was watching TV one day and uh, saw Chasing Classic Cars with Wayne Carini. And it, Wayne Carini is talking about how he gets internships uh, and, and he gets these interns, but he only gets his interns from one place. And, and it's in the middle of Kansas. Is that right? McPherson, Kansas. And that's what you heard. Where'd you hear about it from? Uh, weirdly enough, I was in I'm school. I'm asking in, Matt. Yeah, I was <laughs> in school in Kentucky for, um, I had an Asian studies major with a business minor. I was in I was in for a, a Japanese interpreter, and I was going to try and get overseas, make myself a lot of money. I could have used you in Chinatown. This <laughs> <one best. laughs> but the plan was to just make a lot of money to retire early and mess around with cars, you know? Yeah. And um, I had this old VW Beetle I was driving around, got into a wreck with it my my uh, first semester freshman year. And I was like, you know, I was just accounting sucked. I was without my car. And then by chance, my parents were like, oh, there's a school in Pennsylvania that does auto restoration. So I looked up um, auto restoration college and I found McPherson first instead of the Pennsylvania school. Really? And, there, and I was like, oh, this looks like a much more in-detail program. Let me get into it. And I ended up transferring, and don't regret it for an instant. Y'all enjoyed the town of McPherson, I guess? Yeah, there's there's, there's quite a few places to get away and d- do some. McPherson has a lot going on, as <laughs> long as you know where you're looking. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff to do as long as uh, what the chief of police told me. At least take it out to Pawnee Road. Get like five <laughs> miles outside of town where I don't have to come check on it. Where you're not in his jurisdiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all they care about. So one of the things that I, uh, going back to the museum here, one of the things I really appreciated, um, and and we talked about this, uh, obviously you can spend as much time as you want here. There's a lot of interactive stuff to do, but, uh, you know, we we walked through it, and and we didn't stop and and read every little thing, but we had the the gentleman who told us some stories about some stuff. We were probably in and out of here in about an hour and a half, maybe two hours top, so – I feel like just from a, a time standpoint, because I, I do, I'm not a car guy, but I do like museums. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you go to a lot of those museums that are an all day or two day type of thing. I mean, it, I right. felt like it was uh, very reasonable as far as what, what you got to see. And uh, I, I'm assuming that's part of, as you guys talk through the displays, how many cars, what you guys are looking at as you come up with these concepts that you guys talk about, kind of that time limit. Yeah, so the, one of the things we looked at when we were trying to figure out how many cars to put in here was a lot of museums, they cram as many cars as they can in, into the smallest spot. And it doesn't really allow you to actually see the whole car. Uh, and furthermore, it's just too much. There's too much there for people to actually see everything and feel like that they didn't miss something. And we're not saying people can walk through here once and see everything because you can't. There's no way. Um, but it at least gives you an opportunity to look at things uh, and actually get a chance to learn more about them. And also, I mean, we had to, we really wanted to structure this place to be fun for an enthusiast, but also for people that got dragged along for the ride. You know, our executive director admittedly doesn't know the first thing about cars, and there's a lot of stuff like, okay, how can I get, you know, how can I get Michelle Peck to care about 
this weird, you know, little thing. So like when I was doing all the magnets and like power to display or sled, and that'll get it going right there. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> but it was um it, it was a lot of like, okay, I can't go too into detail on, on certain stuff. You know, I can't break it down into every little technical nitty gritty. But I also couldn't just be like, this car is cool. Check out the paint job on it. You know, it's yep. trying to find that balance. And that was a big concern in terms of just figuring out content and what to talk about. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, you and I just had countless hours of just, you know, what is she thinking? Like, you know, are we doing the right thing or whatever? But, I mean, so far it's it's worked out gloriously, no, I think. It, we, I don't think we could have planned it better if we tried. You know, I came down here two weeks ago, and you think about you've got have you got you've already got signs out on the interstate telling about it, and I suppose car enthusiasts would hear about it some way out there. There's probably places they can go to hear about these type of museums, but but um, I walked through the parking lot two Saturdays ago and was surprised at the number of uh, I, I just wanted to see because I'm kind of nosy this way about even if I go out to Marshalls and see who's from out of town that's here seeing. And I saw multiple out-of-state plates and many out-of-Saline County uh, tags on cars, which I thought, well, that's exciting for downtown Salina, which was part of the goal of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also stood in line behind two other people buying memberships as I was buying my family membership. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, sounds like membership shelves were going well. Sounds like... uh, (laughs) We are you know, but more than pleased with how memberships are going. Uh, we, we were hoping to hit about 500 memberships in the first year. We thought that was, that was going to be a really good number. Uh, we hit 600 in the first month. First month. And we're, and we're basically in the first and month right well, now, right? We, we, uh, we crossed one month on the 11th. Yeah. On the, yeah, it was apparently we're up to almost 700 now. That's are we really, yeah, there, there's, yeah, it's, it's been insane, but the incentive behind the memberships and what I always tell people, like not even just because I work here, but as long as you can see yourself coming to the museum more than like twice in a year, yeah, it's it's just worth it in the long run, you know. And then not to mention all the um, membership incentives, but was it to break down price? I mean, individual membership is forty five dollars. Uh, was a couple same addresses eighty five? So that's you know like husband wife, you know, two people living at the same address. Yeah. Couple yep. plus two, which is um you know a couple, and then two guests of you know you know any people anytime. I always say if you bring family through a lot, go for that one. You know, if it's more than twice or three times a year. Um, Especially if you have people come in from out of town frequently and you want to show them around. Right. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's your plus one. Like, as I, I was telling my mom about it, mm-hmm. and I said, you, when you guys come up, you need to come down with me. So I bought family membership plus one. Yes. Yeah. She can just come in with yep. me. And see. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. And it's, just, yeah. So family is, was, I think, like a household of four or just a couple and however many kids it may be. And then the family plus is if you, Bring a guest, you know, like a you know family member or something like that through. But um, obviously, it's unlimited access throughout the year. Uh, was it t- like free T-shirts? Usually, we send some vouchers when it, when we send our membership cards in the mail, um, and then all kinds of incentives. I yeah, mean, we're we're looking at doing things. well. The half price beer on Thursdays are pretty good. <laughs> That's incentive, a pretty good isn't incentive. It? Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, on, as far as the website goes, you can go online. If you're listening to this and you say, I'm going to just get a membership right now, you can buy the membership online, do you think? Is um, it, so far, we don't have it set up online. It's a come to the museum yep. and, and we'll get you set up. Which um, is a very simple process. Very simple. Yeah. You fill out the form and, and we get the cards mailed out to you and they should get to you in about a week or two. And Who, if, who's um, handling the website side of it? So the website um, was built, uh, as far as I know, Tom, you can correct me on this. Freeland built the website, yeah. Yep. Michael Freeland built the website for us, and he kind of maintains things for us. 
um, and, and we feed him ideas, and, and he's been great about implementing them and, and making sure they make sense on that website. Right, and it looks yeah. good. It, right uh, um, go to yeah. I mean, just I just put in Google the garage, and then I'll have to tag him on the post. He's getting a little free advertising here <laughs> as well. Maybe we get him to be a sponsor right. on the next podcast. Right. It was a bit um, on the topic of membership. So there's also folks that um, you know, they're unsure about it. They're like, oh, well, you know, I really know what this place is. So I'm like, okay. If they come through with daily admission and then they decide that they want a membership after, I will deduct their admission price from the membership. And that usually is what gets people right, go ahead tied and get it the over. Membership. Yeah, but I mean, was it for members we have um early exhibit access, so like when this stuff changes out, members may get to get in here like a day early or half day early. Um last Tuesday of each month I have a lunch and learn, bring a special speaker in and talk about something maybe unique to the North Wing, you know, artifact examination, whatever it may be for like an hour during lunchtime. Um, and then the last Saturday of each month is our cars and coffee. And that's, you know, members can come in um, an hour early on a Saturday, you know, show off their car and get to kind of peruse their museum while it's quiet. Right. The The south end of the museum, though, it, do you guys have much to do with everything to do with it? Every, or yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. so to do with we it, work okay? very closely with the KKOA and Jerry Titus. Um, he has been fantastic to work with in terms of the connections he has. As far as the custom stuff goes, my connections with that are very limited, um, or at least they were. Now they're all over the place. Do uh, you so see those exhibits switching out yeah, faster yeah, yeah, than, yeah. The, than uh, the north side? No, the, the customs, the way we've got it lined up is a lot of them are not from the state of Kansas. I've right. got guys from both coasts, um, Texas, Oklahoma, you name it. So for them to travel that much, especially with gas prices right now, uh, not the best thing in the world. So what I told them is, you know, it makes sense to rotate once a year. You guys come to town for the lead sled anyways, which is fantastic. We love having you guys here. Bring me an empty trailer or find a buddy that's got a car and convince him to loan it and then come get yours. Right. Yeah, that'd be and, great. And, and the benefit is, you know, we ha we've had some folks ask if they can, like, take the car to Oakdale. Like, we want to avoid that just because of the – potential logistic nightmare but also it's like 102 for lead sled so if i have air conditioning and beer here i think we'll be all right to, to right, keep it pretty healthy we'll have great crowds down here <laughs> yeah. we are looking forward yeah. to it and stocking up on the beer that's yeah. for sure and what what's the dates of it you guys already was <sighs> it's always like like third weekend in july or yeah. something like yeah. that yeah last weekend in july that's what it is i think you'll get a lot of exposure out of that and the, you know yeah it's if, if you haven't been to that before um again i'm not a car guy uh but uh, Ambucks, we do the trash again, pickup. Again, he said again. Yeah. His cars are all new. I have a classic 1998 Ford F-150. Yep. Someday it'll be on display down here, Phil. But, uh, no, Ambucks picks up trash, so I uh, usually volunteer to, to do that for a couple of hours. And it's kind of cool. It gets me in free. And, yeah. But uh, the first year I did that, I had no idea what I was getting into on that on that lead sled deal and until I got there. And I, I don't even I had to walk like a mile and a half to even get to the park and mm -hmm. and the number of cars and people it's amazing. So if you haven't ever uh, been out to the park to enjoy that, well, just the drag out. races out there on um, by my house is unbelievable to go watch. That's the guy. That's the cars that I'm thinking of that are sitting out there that do the drag. You know? Oh yeah, the, the old airstrip. Yeah. yeah. I thought. Can you hear Kevin say that he gets in free? I thought he Kevin had a birthday this week. 
And I, I thought did, he's going to be a little older and a little more giving. Still thinking about getting in free. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lost your head coach this week at K State. Yeah, well, I mean, I, bet, I said I bet Kevin's home crying over losing Bruce no, Weber. You know better than that. <laughs> you know better than that. So <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be a topic for our next podcast for sure. Hopefully, we'll have a coach hired by then. But uh, we're we're getting pretty close to time here. I got one question for you guys, um, and it just kind of came up. You guys both mentioned that you don't have a, a museum background. Mm-hmm. So what is one thing that you have learned or that has surprised you that you did not expect when you decided to go down this route? Oh, man. I think um, just you got to be ready for that 10 p.m. phone call with an absolutely out of left field idea. Um, I, I'm trying to think of an exact example where we had that, where just I'm hanging out at home, you know, I'd already put in a long day of work and, oh yeah, it was for the Hot Wheels track. I just got a phone call from our executive director and she said, Hey, what do you think about just having a whole corner of just, I give you like a thousand dollars and you figure out how to build a Hot Wheels track. And I'm just like, uh, I could probably do that. Yeah. Um, but just being ready to have that crazy sort of thought. Yeah. But. That's not really a museum thing. It's just a Michelle thing. Like that's two <laughs> different things there. Uh, I think honestly, probably just the sheer amount of content. Like honestly, you know, you think that writing gallery signs and telling a story and then doing like display magnets would be easy, but I mean, down to just figuring out, okay, like what information are you going to include? You know, like what story are you going to tell? Can you keep it down to this many? amount of words and like what's the furniture going to be made of i mean most of our gallery furniture like the gallery signs are like clothing racks from jc penny all of our stanchions are um like old cl- um shirt racks and stuff it's all repurposed and and we turned it into stuff that people are asking us okay how did you get that where, where did you get that how was that built and it's like it came from jc penny well some <laughs> of the ideas fantastic. that you have like in the men's bathroom above the urinals where you can have premium or uh, <laughs> that, regular no, credit yeah, on that one those goes things. to tom tom well, takes those, full credit uh, for that those things are just pretty neat and that's what i said when you go through a museum and little things like that stand mm-hmm. out to you that's what makes it kind of fun even on, even on to go the, to the bathrooms fun the beer walls i don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed earlier but the uh the tap handles on that they're shift handle knobs yep yep, yeah. yep that's just all that. little that's things really like cool. that that the, the there's so many the little things that you talk about only coming once <laughs> You could come three or four times and not see everything that you wanted to see mm-hmm. if you just took, especially if you bring your kids, bring your kids down here and one kid's going to see something that you didn't see and another kid's going to see something else. I, I saw kids over there doing the, um, oh, the, Pinewood, derby the Pinewood Derby tracks. I saw kids playing on that all day long. Uh, there were kids in here doing all kinds of stuff. Now, as museum guys, you have to deal with the general public now. So you've ha- you, as young guys. I, I can handle kids because I've raised a whole slew of them. But how, how's that for going us, for you for guys? Us, the, the kids are easier to work with than the parents. Oh, really? The parents yeah. break more stuff. Nine times That's out of ten. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. So. A lot of times you just have to kind of – you just got to think like a kid again. You know, being like, okay, like if my if I'm seven years old, I just got out of school. All I want to do is play with video games or be outside. And I just got dragged into a building like – you know, how would I want to be talked to? Right. Well, I thought the kids were having a great time oh, in here the day oh, that we yeah. saw it, the yeah. way we were down here. So that's that's something that anybody that's listening to this podcast, we keep saying, you just got to come one time, then you'll get the gist of it. Once you get the gist of it. I mean, you could even, we're sitting here in a library right now. I suppose you could stick your kids in the library if nothing else, but, <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, having the drinks that you can walk around with in the afternoon. 
the ability to go maybe over to Martinelli's and have lunch afterwards. The just the things that you, you can said do. drinks in the afternoon. Is there a does is there a time that drinks? No, start? if they want to come in right when we open yeah. at ten a.m. on a Friday, I will not okay. stop them. Just checking. I, what, that's <laughs> what I would have expected. That is another thing. What what is your hours that you're open? Yes. Um. So was it uh, Thursdays or Thirsty Thursdays? What we call it. we're open ten to eight. Um. Was it open late? Um. Fridays and Saturdays are ten to five. And then uh, Sundays are one to five. Okay. Yeah, well, we're we're coming right up on an hour. Appreciate you guys uh, joining us here for this. But uh, as as we do with guests at the end, I'll give you guys the floor. If there's anything that you feel like we haven't covered, anything you want to mention or talk about, it, the floor is yours. Tom, is there anything you've heard that we might might need to bring up? Tom just said that he he's he spent you know he spent the last couple of years and we get to see Tom out at Great Life quite a bit and and we've heard him talk about this over the year and Tom doesn't understand and at Ambucks if you would ever and show at up Ambucks, but Tom doesn't understand how much that we appreciate the things that you've done here for the city of Salina and uh, yep. and I tell you I know it's been a lot of work I've seen him I've seen him with his head he uh, he twisted in in his hair twisted out and everything else but it's just turned out to be one of the most I mean, it's 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 almost unbelievable yeah. how it turned out. So you should be really proud of yourself. But he right. said that he's been out here all this time, and he he's still seeing things that he didn't yeah. didn't think about. I, before. I will tell you he this, and I'm not saying this because I'm friends with Tom. I'm not saying this because we're doing the podcast. They're not paying us any money to do. Well, he did get us a couple of beers, so but he's not paying <laughs> us any money. But hey, I, one I more, and this. I'll say anything he wants yeah. me to. <laughs> I will say this, I. I had kind of a preconceived notion of what this would be before I came here. Mm -hmm. I, I've had conversations with Tom, understood some of the things that were going on here and what he was working on. I was completely blown away when I got here yep. by what I saw. So I think much his so, vision is bigger than our vision. Yeah. 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 So that's that, and that's so, what you need. So out of I somebody. was blown away so much so that my wife and daughter have zero interest in anything like this and I'm t cars museums anything like that and the first thing I went home I'm like I know this isn't your guys's thing but you have to come check this out like this was beyond any expectation yeah. I had so um, I appreciate all the hard work you guys have put into this place I think it's a very special place for Salina and, and the area and uh, I think it's it's gonna be wildly successful and we're gonna do our part to to get as many people down here to check it out as we can yep so. Any any last thing out of out of you guys? No, I think we've covered all the bases we're wanting to talk about. Well, we're excited to have you guys in town, and uh, and yep. uh, Kevin, like I said, it's another year older. Happy birthday, Thank Kevin! You, sir, yep. Uh, what'd that make? 49, 44. 50? 44. 44. Yep. 44. So yeah, looking it's, good uh, for forty four. Um, and uh, tomorrow is if you see me out and about, it's going to be a long day. Um, yeah, St. Patrick's falling on day one of the NCAA tournament. So um, neither one of our teams made the NCAA tournament, no, which no. is not shocking to no, either one of us. No. It's uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into that on the next podcast. Yep, so yep. we'll uh, I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings that I would like to <laughs> unload um, when when we get oh, to that boy. point. But uh, well, thank you guys, guys. Yeah, thank you guys you to the garage and to get down here and see them as fast as you can. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we'll be back uh, here in a couple weeks with our next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Kevin and Philip Project Podcast. If you would like more information about our podcast, guests, and to join in on the discussion, please visit our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Kevin Phillip Project. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.